Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Hey, I got a question, Church. Have you ever um, had the experience of driving kind of down a dark road? You know what I'm talking about? And you come to the crest over a hill only to be blasted by the brilliant high beam lights of an oncoming vehicle on the other lane. You know what I'm talking about? You're going, all of a sudden, you're just like, whoa, and you just come over, and, and I mean, it's blinding. I mean, right away, you know what we do? We start flicking our, yeah, I can't see, I can't see, right? And you go, why is that? Well, listen, it's, it's really simple, because here's the thing. While you're driving in the dark, your eyes have adjusted, really, to the darkness, the darkness in the car, the darkness in the world, and all of a sudden, when those lights come on, and they're on their high beams, their, the brilliant luminescence hits you. It's impossible, guys, for the rods in, in, in the cones in your eyes to quickly adjust enough. It's not fast enough. Your, your eyes need to take a minute to kind of go, Ooh, right? And that's why we go, man, I'm blinded. I can't, I can't see. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but it's the same with the sun. We don't go out now, no, like, like, don't go out and look at the sun, okay? We don't have to tell you that's not, but hey, I'm going to look at the sun. Well, it's the same thing that happens. The sun is so bright, guys. The sun, and, and, and it shines right in your eyes immediately. What's your inclination? You want to, what, squint a lot of the times? Turn away, or sometimes we put sunglasses on? Light can be so blinding. That's just kind of what it is. You see, in our text today, guys, in our text today, Jesus makes really the second of seven significant I am statements in the Gospel of John. He's actually going to stand up and he's going to say, I am the light of the world. That's what he's going to say. And we, Lord, as guys as a church, physically and emotionally, we need light. We have to have light. Men cannot thrive or even survive without light. There are many times that I'll be sitting in my office and as the day goes by, I will get up and I will go check the mail even though I've already checked it because I've got to have, I've got to have some sunlight, some sunlight. And then I thought, you know what, because man needs that. We need to thrive. And, and without it, we can't survive without light. And yet when it comes to spiritual light, guys, here's what we learn. Here's what we discover. Many people are literally blinded by the light. You see, spiritual blindness can happen when we often try to read God's word without the help of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? amen? The Bible tells us that when we're born in sin, which basically means that each one of us are born with the tendency to want our own way and live inadequately without God in our lives. That's we're born into sin. And as we grow up this way, our spiritual eyes are so accustomed to the darkness of our sin that the light of God's word hits it it often brings a blinding effect. The light's there, but instead of helping us to see, it actually has a blinding effect. And see, this is what happens to people today. In our story, there's people in our study who cannot see Jesus as the light of the world. And that happens a lot to people today. You will get up and you will go to work and you want to be and you will illuminate the light in your heart and there are people who are simply, help me church, they're blinded by the light. They can't see. The very light that's supposed to help them lead the way, they're blinded by. We're going to see that in our story today. Now, 
By the way of reminder, guys, last week, remember, Jesus was teaching in the early morning at the, at the temple. A crowd had followed, and guess what happened? Right in the middle of the service, the brown doors open, if you will, and the Pharisees, right, and the scribes come in and they try to trap Jesus. How? Do you guys remember how? By they, they brought a woman, and probably mostly naked, and bought her, and they threw her right in the middle of the temple, right in front of Jesus, right? This woman was caught in adultery. That's what they say in verse 4. The very act. I, I, I stop for a moment, and I, I just shudder to think what that poor woman went through. How they tried to humiliate this woman in front of everyone, including Jesus. Not to mention they've already broken her house. They grabbed her. They pulled her. They dragged her. Where are they taking her? And then they put her right in front of everyone. The Pharisees, the scribes, there's Jesus humiliated. This woman, she was caught in the very act. Now, you recall, guys, that the law had stated that when this happens, both people were to be brought before the leadership. And it was a very harsh penalty. You couldn't just go, hey, I think you're having an affair. I think you're committing adultery because the penalty was death. It was death. As a matter of fact, make a mental note. That was so harsh, guys, that they hadn't used, the, the Pharisees and the scribes hadn't used this particular law for the last seven years. It was too hard. Why? Because people die. I mean, think about this, right? Your husband, your husband gets mad at you and he goes to the leadership. He goes to the Pharisees and the scribes and goes, hey, my wife, she's having an affair. I caught her in adultery. Well, if they, 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 the, the penalty is so harsh. We have to, we have, to have a system to go, hey, wait, we need, to, we need to make sure you're just not mad at your wife. And you want her, why? Because, I mean, that's, no, no. So they hadn't used it, right? So they come and they're actually going, <laughs> let's see which, let's see which law we could use to trap Jesus. Remember they had tried with the taxes and now they're going, I know the law. We haven't used the law in seven years. Let's try it, right? And so they come to him in verse 5 and say, now Moses in the law, you could imagine, right? The little snow. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say, Jesus, right? So they bring Moses into it. They said this testing him, it says, which they were trying to accuse him. But you know what Jesus does? Jesus stoops down and he begins to write. He just begins to write. We don't know what he's writing. Wouldn't it be interesting if he was just playing tic-tac-toe? I don't know. I mean, just... Right, and so they're like, Jesus, hey, hey, we, we got a situation here. What are you doing? Jesus is just writing. He's just writing. And so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he looks at them, right? And he says, he who, ha- he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. How you like them apples? That's like, oh, Right? Right now, okay, so I want you to feel the weight of this, okay? Because there's a lesson that I want to point out here. There's a good lesson. Jesus stoops down. They're going, Jesus, what do you say? What do you say? And he looks and he goes, okay, guys, listen. Any of you who don't have any sin, you're welcome to throw the first stone at her, okay? And I thought, okay, what, what lesson can we learn here from the Pharisees, guys? First of all, we need to understand the context. They probably plotted. They probably planned they probably sent people to spy out on the woman. As a matter of fact, some commentators believe that they actually had something. It was a setup, right? But nonetheless, you had these secret people looking in the window going, okay, she's about to. Okay, hold on. 
Wait, do you see anything? I think, go, go, you know, swarm, swarm, swarm. And then they, they break into the house and go, ah, busted, can't be trusted. And they grab her. Think about it. They plotted this to what? To humiliate her, but not so much for her, but to what? To try to trap Jesus. And you go, Pastor, okay, what can we learn? What can we learn? Guys, for us, I want you to take this to heart. For us as believers, let us be careful that we don't go around trying to spy out sin in other people's lives. You go, what do you mean? We need to be careful that we don't become secret sin sniffers, like Jude says. Hey, what's going on over here? And and we're we're what we're busy bodies looking at what everybody else is doing, trying to figure. You, hey, what are you doing? What, hey, hey. We can learn that lesson. You go, Pastor. Well, what do I do if if a brother or sister falls into sin? What should I do? What, I mean, I'm not I'm not looking for it, but but all of a sudden I find myself in the middle. What should I do? You know what the first thing you should do, guys, is you should hit your knees in prayer. You should hit your knees and pray. Don't get caught up in what others might be doing, right? Jesus told us that. What did he say? Listen, you're busy looking at the speck in your brother's eye, but you guys forget there's a log in your eye. And so we have to be so careful. I think we can learn that lesson. We can learn the lesson that we're not, we're not what? Secret sin sniffers. What are you doing? Where's that? Hey, I smell sin. Is there sin in your house? I smell. I'm going to go. We don't need to do that. We need to be above and we need to be careful and we need to pray and we need to ask the Lord how we can help. Don't hinder the work of God by spying or even gossiping. When someone comes and says, hey, did you, did you know about this? Listen, there's a couple of things we can do real quick. What's the first thing we can do? You just look at them and say, hey, can I quote you on that? If you're, if you're, if you're accusing my sister, my brother for, for sin... Can I quote you? Well, you can't quote me. I don't, I don't. No, no, that's gossip. And, and, and we don't want to gossip on anyone. We should pray. We should pray and say, how can I help? And maybe the Lord just says, just pray. Just pray. I'm working it out. I'm working it out. Good nugget to learn. Verse 8 says, then again, Jesus stooped down on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning from the oldest to the last. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing in her midst. And when Jesus raised himself, he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, quote, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What, are, what beautiful words those are, right? You're taking down. Remember, we talked about forgiveness. We talked about forgiveness, and here's what we learned last week, okay? I don't have time to give you in detail, so you need to get the teaching from last week, but the first thing we need to understand is forgiveness isn't cheap. You know what? Forgiveness is a big deal, and we can't just be going, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Oh, you get forgiveness, and you... It's, 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 it's cheap, which brings us to what? It's a process. It's a process, right? It's something when forgiveness means I've got to walk through this. I've got to bring it up. I've got to deal with it in light of who God is. But I, it's not cheap, and I know it's going to be a process. We also said, number three, that forgiveness gives you the eyes to see the ones who have hurt you as God sees them. Far better to see them the way God sees them than the way I see them. Why? Because sometimes when I'm hurt, I want you to hurt. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Eye for an eye, buddy. But I want to see them how God sees them. 
What did we say last week? Remember? Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And so I want to see them. And forgiveness also means, guys, get this. Forgiveness means that it doesn't always mean the relationship is restored. It doesn't mean that. A lot of people go, well, you need to forgive. Oh, well, we're BFF now. Well, there are times, guys, that there's, there's some forgiveness that you can restore a relationship. You guys are friends again. It was a misunderstanding. But there are some hurts that you cannot. You cannot be in the same room with this person. It's okay. But you don't want to be caught in the bitterness of unforgiveness. You don't want to be caught in that prison of going, oh, you just want to go, listen, Lord. I, and you go, where does it start? It starts when, you, when you're able to look at the person that hurts you and maybe bid them, you know, bid them a good, a good day. Bid them, you know, hope they're doing well. You're not going, man, I, when I think of you, I want to get a baseball bat and I want to, I just want to, you know. Forgiveness is a, what, help me, church, it's a process. And then five, guys, we talked about forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't mean you forget. You don't have to go, you can remember those things that hurt you so that you don't walk down that path. You can remember those that hurt you. So forgiveness doesn't mean, well, I just forget about it because it's not cheap. It's not cheap. God knows every bit that's been hurt in your heart. But Jesus offers forgiveness. Now, I want you to think about this real quick. I'm going to, about, about 15 seconds. Think about the woman that was humiliated in front of everyone. Jesus offers with what? With for forgiveness. Now, she has the task of, for, of having to walk through the forgiveness of what? Being spied on? Adultery? Right? And then, I mean, being humiliated? All of that stuff. She has to walk through that, guys. She didn't walk out there going, mm, Jesus forgave me. I'm going to go. Everything is good. Let's go back. She still got to go and confront who? Probably her fiance, her betrothed. She's got to go and, and, and deal with that issue. We need to walk in God's forgiveness, right? But we also need to understand that it's a, it's a process. Well, today, guys, I'm calling this message Blinded by the Light. You go, why, Pastor? For today we learned that that people have a hard time seeing Jesus as the Messiah. As we study the gospel, guys, you go, you shake your head going, why didn't the guys get it? I mean, he's, I mean, it's amazing. And say they are literally blinded by who Jesus is. Jesus, by his teaching and his work, illuminated the world darkened by sin. That's what he came to do. Some rejoiced, woohoo! And they were able to see where they were going, but others who had been so accustomed to spiritual darkness, they only winced when Jesus is around. You guys see that? And you go, well, well how does this even apply? It's, doesn't it correlate to our lives? Doesn't, doesn't, isn't that the world we live in? There's some people that you'll speak of Jesus, and man, all of a sudden, their heart pounds, and they're like, yes, I need this. And there's others that you'll talk to Jesus, and because of, now listen to me, because of religiosity, because of the darkness of their sin, they're blinded to who Jesus is. You go, aren't we all Christians? No, see, they're blinded. Who are we talking about today? We're talking about the Pharisees, right? These were the dudes, these were the religious elite of the day. And yet they were blinded to who Jesus was, which leads me to believe that religion often blinds us to who Jesus is. We have to be so careful. Don't put your tent pegs down, guys, on religion. 
Don't put your flag on religion. This is who I am. This is, this is where my, my pappy was born this way, my grandpappy. This is who I am. Because it can often blind us to who Jesus really is in our life. Got to understand. Got to grab that. And that's where we pick up our story. Look at verse 12 with me, guys, of John chapter 8. Then Jesus spoke to them, right? What does he say? He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life, right? So, again, to understand why Jesus made this statement, we need some background. Remember the Feast of Tabernacles. Everybody remember that? The Feast of Tabernacles had just ended the day before, okay? Right as the night fell, the the eighth day was done, the Feast of Tabernacles, and, and, and what you need to know about this feast, okay, remember, there was two things going on, two things that Jesus really, really captured the attention of the people. Number one, you guys remember the water, okay? They would take the water from the Pool of Siloam, they'd be singing, and they'd take it over to the altar, and they would dump it on the altar. How many days? Seven days. The eighth day, they wouldn't do it. Jesus says, what? if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. What you didn't know is that in the Feast of Tabernacles as well, for eight days, they would have four candelabrias, right? As tall as the temples, four of them, right? Cups filled with about 65 gallons of oil each. And what would happen is they lit up all of Jerusalem. It was lit eight days. I mean, the only thing I could, because it just ties into date, guys, you know the Olympic torch? That's lit for the whole time, right? That's kind of like this, but think about four giant, you know, torches, if you will. And everyone for miles around could see Jerusalem because, guess what? You had this burning torch, this burning torch, 65. And, the, and, and you would know because the wisest and the godliest and the holiest men would dance all through the court of the women singing and praising God and the, called in the Mishnah. That's what they would do. They would, they would, they would do that, right? You go, well, what were they celebrating? Well, here's, what, here's the purpose of the torches. Here's why they had in the Feast of Tabernacles. They were celebrating the fire in the wilderness. You go, what do you mean? Guys, remember the Exodus, right? What would happen? Right? It reminded everyone, guys, of the protection God gave their fathers in the deserts as they came out of Egypt. Remember how God protected them. As they're walking, it was a cloud by day. Everybody remember a cloud by day? Okay, so you had a cloud by the day. Follow the cloud, and the cloud would take him. At night, it was a pillar of fire. Very good, right? Now, think about this. God was both the cloud and the fire. You go, how so? In the desert, it gets pretty hot, right? And so God's cloud would just protect them and give them shade. It would just give them shade, and so they weren't as hot. They're busy doing about their business. God is going, I've got this. I'm taking care of you. But it was so cloudy, too, because of who God is, the pursuing Egyptians wouldn't know which way to go. Oh, man, so it offered protection. At night, guess what happens in the desert? It gets cold. The sun goes down. It drops in the desert. So God says, I need to keep my, my children warm, right? That's the first thing. So it's warm, and so... Ah, oh, nice. But it also offered protection because horses couldn't go through fire, but it also gave them light to see. Isn't that a beautiful... So, so when it came to the Feast of Tabernacles, you had four giant torches. Everybody knew, oh, our ancestors when they came out of... And they would praise and worship God for what? Protection, for warmth, 
right, and provision. God is taking care of them. Well, during this feast, guys, everyone could see. Remember, the feast had just ended a few hours before. So they would come, and when the feast ended, they would quench. You guys know what happens at the end of the Olympics, right? They take and they kind of quench the fire. The Olympics are done. That's what they would do. After eight days, they would come in and vroom, vroom. And then the last one, and so the last one, then all of a sudden, think about this. Jerusalem would go dark. That's it. Jesus gets up early in the morning, and people following him. Jesus begins to teach, and what does he say? I am the light of the world. Everyone went ping, because they understood. They understood. Church, listen to me. Let me, give you, let me just give you a plug for, for expository Bible teaching. If you don't go through and study and really pull this stuff out and understand the context, Jesus could stand up and go, I'm the light of the world, and we all go, amen. But we don't understand. Everyone who's listening to Jesus goes, He's the light of the world. We just saw the light. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper. Jesus said what? He said, um, as they were what? As they had come in the morning, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Remember, it's all dark now. For eight days, you could walk around in Jerusalem at night. Because of the big torches, the lights, now it's dark. It's dark. Jesus was stating that they had one night of great celebration. He says, follow me and I'll light up your life. I am the light of the world. Now, let's do a little bit of work real quick, guys. Let's stop and just ask ourselves, what does light do? What does light do? Well, we know first and foremost, Captain Obvious means it helps us see, right? We need light to help us see. You ever try to find something in the dark, right? I mostly hit myself, you know, I know it's there. Or you look funny because you're like this, you know, it's there and it's like way over here. We, yeah, yeah, being in the dark is no fun, no fun. Have you ever, this was the weirdest thing, have you ever, be honest, have you ever looked at your phone when it's dark and it's so bright that for some reason you feel like you're blinded in one eye? And you're like, I can't see. I can see with one. I can't see with both, right? It feels weird until, until you turn on the light. So we know it helps us to see. Number two, guess what it does, guys? It gives us a good feeling. You go, what do you mean? Sunlight releases serotonin. Serotonin is the good mood. It puts you in a good mood, right? Have you ever heard of SAD? It's seasonal something disorder. It's, you know, it's basically when it's so cloudy, all the time that you get depressed, you know, it's like that. I mean, I lived, don't ask me why I lived in Missouri, but I lived in Missouri, okay, and it, in the month of April, it rained like 28 days out of the whole month. I was pretty sad. But anyways, because I need to, because sunlight makes me feel, that feels good, I love, right, just me? How about you? How many of you like the cold? Nobody really likes I know some of you like, I like the cold. I like it when it's really cold. It could be cold outside, but if it's still sunny, I'm okay. Now, if it's warm, I'm even better. I'm even better. So we know it just releases serotonin. What else does it do, guys? It provides warmth and protection. 
how about a God that says, I'm going to hang the earth just enough so y'all don't burn up, but y'all don't freeze, right? Warmth and protection. What else does light do? Well, it provides, it, I mean, it provides all of these things. So if Jesus stands up, is he talking about, I am the S-U-N, am I in the sun, I'm the light? No, 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 he's talking about spiritually. So what does spiritual light do? You know, it helps us to see. What does it help us to see? Guys, it exposes our sinful heart. You go, how so? Remember verse 9. You who have no sin, cast the first stone. And, and Jesus being there began to, it began to, it helps us to see. Let's be careful, church, 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 church. Let's be careful that we don't get into the idea that when you got saved, you were perfect. Oh, God sees you as perfect. God sees you as awesome. God sees you as, as his son. But, but we, we've got some issues that we've got to work through. We've got some issues. And we have to constantly, and let's be honest, guys, we have to constantly be asking for forgiveness, right? I know none of you have attitudes, and none of you have bad attitudes. You're all awesome. But sometimes we have a bad attitude, right? Are they, what do they call it? Waking up on the wrong side of the bed? Right? Some of us have bad attitudes by what? They just, it's just a bad hair day? Are you having a bad hair? I can't believe it. Why are you yelling at me? Rah, 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 rah. You know what I mean? We got to be careful. Why? Because the spiritual light goes, oh, you know what? Man, I, I, I need that. The spiritual light, guys, also gives us hope by which to live by. It gives us that hope. We live in a dark world. The spiritual light also provides warmth. You go, what kind of warm, guys? The warm with the, basically, we're warm with joy. We're warm with joy. And let me clarify this real quick, okay? It's not that we walk around and we're just happy, right? We're just, we have that goofy look on our face, and we're just happy, and people go, what is wrong with you? I'm talking about joy even in the midst of hard stuff. Even when, even when your boss is being a jerk, you, you know that Jesus has got your back right? Even when you don't get that promotion at work, even when, I mean, even when your husband is wigging out or your wife is wigging out or your kids are prodigals, I mean, all of that, you still have that joy going, okay, that's what the light, that's what spiritual light does. It provides the warmth of joy. But it also offers protection, guys, number four. Why? Jesus said, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Everybody understand that? So Jesus stands up, our Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. And this is an incredible verse. But here's what I want you to note. I want you to note the reaction of the people. What's the reaction? You ready? Blindness. How so? Look at verse 13. The Pharisees, okay, so, so first and foremost, we've got to ask ourselves, what were these dudes doing up early with Jesus anyway? We're going to find Jesus. We're going to make sure. We're going to just catch him at every word he says. Well, they're with him early morning, right? Jesus stands up, says, hey, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. You're going to have light, the light of life. And then he starts singing, you light of my... No, he doesn't sing that, right? But the Pharisees trip. Why? Because notice verse 13. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. What's he saying? In other words, he goes, whatever you're saying proves nothing. It proves nothing. Now, here's what I want you to jot down, okay? The Pharisees have an immediate hostile response. Not only are they blind, 
but they have a hostile response. You go, why? Do you realize what, the, what Jesus was claiming here? Jesus, the, Jesus was claiming to be God. You go, why? Light was a title reserved for God alone. Psalm 27.1, Isaiah 60.19, Job 29.3. Now, let me give you a nugget of truth, okay? When somebody comes up to you and he says, Jesus never claimed to be God. You've ever heard that? Je- Are you serious? He, throughout the whole gospel of John, he's going, I'm God. The Father and I are one. I'm the light. And people are going, no, I don't see it. No, you need to study it. Why? Because this is exactly. The Pharisees are livid because he's going, I'm God. I am God. When Jesus says he is the light of the world. He's claiming to be our God. The problem is, church, is they don't believe him. You go, what happens? The rods and the cones in their spiritual eyes has not yet adjusted. Isn't that a great thing that we could take, right, and write that down? Why? Because when you share Jesus with your coworkers and they're like, nah, I don't know if I believe all this, all you can do, that's okay. The rod and the cones in your spiritual eyes haven't adjusted yet. You'll be fine. Just keep looking. Don't you just love that? Why? Because that gives us an indication that God's going to save you. It's just in time. Just wait. Just wait. Well, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I believe in my religion. Well, that's okay. The rods and the cones, they'll they'll adjust. You're just in darkness a little bit. That's okay. Just keep looking. Just keep looking. Eventually. Eventually. Listen to what uh, Morris, a commentator, says about this. He says, a seeing man doesn't need someone to prove the light. He simply sees it. Light establishes its claim. It does so not by arguments, but by shining. Light must always be accepted for itself and that notwithstanding the objections of the blind, unquote. So they're blinded. Light doesn't have to go, I'm light. Everybody sees it, right? And so Jesus, look at verse 14. And Jesus answered them and he said, hey, guys, even if I bear witness of myself, he goes, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet, if I do judge, he goes, my judgment is true, for I am not alone. But I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written that your law, that the testimony of two men is true. Okay? So, Jesus believed, guys, that his testimony was enough. He says, guys, I'm telling you the truth. And yet, to accommodate them, he says, listen, y'all don't believe me? Let me let you on on something else. According to Deuteronomy, you, it had to be two to three witnesses to establish any matter. Two to three witnesses. Okay? That's why a husband can come and go, my wife is committing adultery. You had to have two or three witnesses to establish. God says, listen, I'm speaking the truth, but just to accommodate you, I'll bring in witness number two. Who is he going to bring in? He's going to bring in the father. Look at verse 18. He says, I am the one who bears witness of myself. And the father who sent me bears witness of me. In case you don't believe me, he says, God the father has already, has, has what? Has also testified that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, God the son. He says, that's the second witness. Well, again, here's the problem. 
right? Spiritual blindness. Look at verse 19. Then they said to him, where is your father? And Jesus answered, "Um, you neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Now, let me ask you this. Once again, can you see their blindness? No, no pun intended. Can you see their blindness? Okay. Jesus just stood up and said, I'm God. I'm going to save you. You walk. Listen, listen, your life is going to be different if you'll just surrender. I love the song that Josh sang, right? That we sang, I, I surrender all my best, right? Jesus is telling you and I, if you'll surrender all, then you're never going to walk in darkness. You're never going to walk in darkness. Our response is, thank you, Jesus. And we, we accept him and we begin to walk with him. And we begin to walk with him and we begin to talk to him. And he, we have a relationship with him and we have fellowship with him. Let me ask you this. Do you have fellowship with Jesus? These guys don't because they're blinded. What's their question? Well, where's your father, right? Now, let, let me show you, okay? Let me show you something. They're asking this in scorn. Where is your father? They're not asking like, well, well, where's Joseph? Tell us about. They're, they're like literally in scorn. And Jesus goes, look, guys, you're, you're looking right at me. Don't you see me? How do you expect to see the father? If you knew me, you would knew, you would what? At the same time, know the father, okay? Here's what sort of bums me out. Later on, in a few chapters later, one of his disciples asks him the same question. Philip asks him in John chapter 14, Philip goes to him. Now, remember, Philip is walking with Jesus. He's been walking. He's been seeing these miracles, right? All these things, all these signs, right? He's, you and I, we're sitting there, right? We're disciples. We're watching Jesus tell the, the, the Pharisees. We're like, he's the light of the world. Amen. We believe it. We believe he's the light. Now, Philip comes later and he goes like this. And this Philip says, Lord, show us the father and it's sufficient for us. It's like, Philip, are you blind? Jesus says to him, I've been with you so long, and yet you have known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Here's what I love about Philip. He's a little slow, much like us. Right? He goes through all of this, and he's like, "Uh, Jesus, yes, Philip. Show us the Father. Philip. Really? Right? And can, can you, I mean, isn't that us? Sometimes we're like, Oh, that was me. Yes. Remember when you first got saved, you're like, Jesus, I believe it. I believe I can walk on water. And now you're like, I don't know. I used to want to get out of the boat, but now I'm just going to sit here real comfortable. I'm not sure if I really believe in Jesus. I mean, I believe in him, but again, Philip just, that's okay. That's okay, because God is gracious. Back in John chapter 8. It says, these words Jesus spoke at the treasury as he taught at the temple, and no one laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come. Let me ask you a question, church. How many months before Jesus goes to the cross? Six. You guys are awesome. Nobody wanted, I'm I'm giving you the answer, right? I'm the teacher goes, here's my point. The hour hasn't come because it's going to be about six more months before the Passover that he'll be crucified. Crucified. Verse 21, then Jesus said to them, now here's where it's going to get serious, guys. He says, I'm going away, and you will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. 
Here's what I want you to focus on. Very, very important. Let's focus on what Jesus said. He says, I'm going away. Everybody goes, okay. He says, you will seek me. Everybody say, amen. You will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Amen. That's what Jesus said, okay? What do you think the Pharisees focused on? They missed it completely, right? Blindness, listen to me, blindness often causes you to miss the important statements. See, they didn't even catch that, they told, that he told them that they were going to die in their sin. All they heard, this is all they heard. Where I go, you cannot come. That's all they heard, okay? Have you ever been in a conversation where you only picked up bits and pieces because you weren't listening? <laughs> Thank you, Joe. That used to happen to me all the time, and I for for with my wife, and for years I used to try to just like um, play it off, like oh yeah, I heard what you said, until she started asking me, okay, tell me what I said, and I was like, um, I knew you weren't listening. I yeah, you're right, you're right. They're not listening. They're, they're spiritually blind. And he says something very, very important that I think they're missed, right? All they focused on, right? He said, listen, guys, you're going to die in your sin. And all they focused on is where, where I go, you cannot come. So how do we know this? Look at verse 22. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where you go, I can't. They missed it all. Now, now here's what you need to see. This was another insult towards Jesus. Because the Jews at the time of Jesus taught that the lowest levels of Hades were for those who committed suicide. Here the Pharisees tried to twist Jesus' words to imply that he was going to commit suicide, therefore be damned. That's where they go, oh, okay, well, of course, we're, we're the religious elite. And if I can't go where you're going, it must be, you must be going somewhere else. You see how it is? Oh, is he going to kill himself? You see how, he, how, they, how they do? And Jesus said to them, he says, you guys are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Guys, these men... Now, understand, they are the religious leaders. So let me just say right off the bat, religion often blinds people to the truth. These were, re these were religious leaders, and yet they lived in darkness that filled their minds and their deeds. The darkness remained because, listen, they rejected, they didn't believe in the light. That's why they stayed in the dark. Jesus here gives them a serious warning that the day of grace is not going to last forever. Death would make their sinful darkness permanent. Permanent. Here's the application. People, we're all our people here, right? We're born in sin according to Psalm 51.5. And if we hold on to that sin and do not deal with it, guys, we will die in our sins. Since all sin must be dealt with, those who die in their sins will have to pay for their sins in hell. 
But if we have our sins dealt with on this side of death by trusting in whom Jesus is and what he did to save us, we can avoid dying in our sins. Do you see that? That's, that's the issue right there. Jesus looks at him and he says, guys, listen, you're missing it. I am the light of, you're, you're going to die in your sin. Well, where do you think you're going to go? I can't believe this. I just, and again, it just breaks my heart because again, there's going to be people who die in their sins and people who die in their sins are not going to have them dealt with this side of death are going to have to, well, they'll be separated from Jesus for forever. Again, they missed the point. Look at verse 25. Then Jesus said to them, who are you? Or then they, I'm sorry. Then they said to Jesus, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. He says, I have many things to say to you, to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world these things which I heard of him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the father. And then Jesus said to them, verse 28, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I will speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone, for I always do these things that please him. Look at verse 30. You guys ready? And he spoke these words. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. I want to close with this, guys. I want to close with this. Two groups of people that we've met today. You have a group of people that are truly blinded by the light. Jesus is trying to illuminate their hearts. He's trying to say, listen, you're in darkness. You're going to die in your sins. And listen, if you die in your sins, you're going to have to pay for your sins through eternity apart from me in a place called hell. I came to, to... to bring life. I came to bring light. And they're blind. They can't see. But in verse 30, there's another group of people who heard those same exact words that said, I believe. I want my sins forgiven. There's there's a group of people going, I don't want to live the same way. I want a new life. I need something changed in me. Lord, please. And these people are are known as followers of Jesus. They're saved. They believe. Let me ask you a question, church. How many Pharisees do you think believe right now? All of them, because they're gone. And wherever they ended up, they truly believed that Jesus was the Messiah, don't you think? Let's be so careful that we're not blinded by the light. That his light illuminates our heart to see that we need a Savior and that we need to repent. You go, well, Pastor, how? How do we do this? What does it mean to believe? Well, it's really simple. You open up your heart and you say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me, for my sins, all of them. I believe that you are God's son and I accept you as payment for my sins. 
I believe you died on the cross, and I believe, I believe, I believe you resurrected on the third day and are sitting at the right, and I believe you're coming back for me one day soon. And I believe that I'm saved. I'm a follower of you. What happens if you believe that, guys? Well, the Bible says with the heart one believes and with, the, with confession. And so we believe and we confess. And then God comes in and he just saves you. Where you have peace and joy. What's the alternative? We don't want, we don't want to talk about the alternative, do we? Because we don't want anyone to die in their sins. You know, Pastor, what do I need to do? You just need to open up your heart. You just need to go, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm free. I'm set free. I believe. I believe. I struggle at times, but, but I believe. I believe he's God. That's what he said. And many believed. And many believed. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word today. You are the light of the world. We love you. We love the light. It helps us to see. And it's no mistake, Father, that that you're bringing people to you through the teaching of your word. And I would just ask now, Holy Spirit, if there's anybody here that feels lost, that doesn't feel like, like they're a believer but wants to be, that hasn't made that commitment fully to Jesus. That in the sound of my voice, in the sound of, of your spirit would move. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here this morning that says, Pastor, will you pray for me? I just, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to give my life to him. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Because some of you feel like you're miles away from God, but you're also one decision away. You go, well, what do I have to do, Pastor? All you have to do is raise your hand. Nobody will see you. Only God will see you. And all you have to do is lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. Will you do that right now? Just, just want to put it out there because, because I want to make sure that everyone is going to have a place in heaven. All you have to do is lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Jesus once and for all. Father, I thank you today, Lord. I thank you for your great love. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email 
to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.